Brie Brad. Brad. Like Brie Larson? Yes. And then I said the best line that I think I put a third part of, which is, yeah, I follow her on Instagram. <laughs> 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 he was like, oh. <laughs> Hello, and thanks for listening to season two of Thought Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Brie Bragg, here with my co-hosts, Zach Wheeler and Lisa Zimmer. We are recording this episode out of UC's 1819 Innovation Hub, a collaborative space where local businesses can partner with the university's resources and talent. Today, my co-hosts are interviewing local consultant Tim Waymeyer. Tim works as a senior analyst at Amend LLC, and he's a proud fellow Bearcat. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for being on our podcast today. Yeah, super excited to be here. Yeah, of course. So if you could just give us a brief introduction about yourself, your background, your job, where you work, um, and I guess your day-to-day activities. Yeah, so uh, I grew up in Cedarville, Ohio. I grew up on a farm in the middle of nowhere, uh, about an hour or 10 north of Cincinnati. Um, you know, that lifestyle before coming to UC was a very simple lifestyle. I mean, we, you know, typical Friday night was you know, go watch our football team lose 63 to nothing. Uh, go get some half-off appetizers at Applebee's and go back and play video games. And that was pretty much it. I mean, you had your family, you had your friends, uh, you had your education, you had sports, but like that was pretty much it. Um, so I definitely wanted to go out and, you know, quote unquote experience life uh, to go try new things and branch out. So uh, when I came to UC, I fell in love with the campus. I fell in love with the environment. I mean, you guys know how awesome UC's campus is, right? I mean, it's just, it's gorgeous. And I fell in love with that very quickly. Fell in love with the co-op program, the opportunity to get a great work experience. So once I started at UC, you know, freshman year, you know, didn't do a whole lot. Was kind of a little bit of a bum, didn't put myself out there. But after freshman year, you know, I really started to get involved and started to, um, you know, see what was out there and kind of figure out, you know, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? Like, what, what is my journey? What's my purpose? What do I want to do? Uh, so... I did a study abroad uh, in Singapore the summer after my freshman year. I got to do some awesome traveling in Thailand, Malaysia, Indonesia, Japan. Uh, the work experience itself wasn't necessarily top of the line, but the experience of being over in Singapore, mm-hmm. we're around these new cultures and new people. I mean, it's it's a completely different dynamic out there. Uh, you know, like a, a team project in America is much like we're going to each do our piece. We're going to work together on it out there. It's like you're going to do your individual part and everyone's going to do the individual part. They're going to put their headphones in, not talk to each other, turn it into their boss. And then the boss gets all the credit. So it was a very interesting dynamic, but that put me in a lot of uncomfortable situations, which made me really branch out and kind of gain my social confidence and just general confidence. Um, So once I came back, um, you know, went to UC for four more years, had a lot of great experiences, had a lot of different internships, um, but ultimately, I found uh, Amen Consulting when I was a going into my fourth year of college. Um, I was just like most people. You know, you hear all about the big companies, your G's, your P&G's, your Fifth Thirds. And I just wasn't getting the satisfaction I was really looking for. So I just happened to meet a guy named Paul Delaney at a, a consulting panel where there was three different consultants. And I thought the guy was just super awesome. And... 
he was from a farm as well. So I was like, all right, this guy gets it. Yeah. He's a similar background as me. So I, I got to talk to this guy. Was not looking for a job. I had a job at a Fortune 500 company. I was told myself I was going to work there forever. So once we talked and kind of sat down and talked about life, one, that was the most non-traditional interview I ever had. I mean, it was basically like, I tried to ask him about business and he's like, no, no, no. Like, tell me about your family. Tell me about your friends. Tell me about you as a person. Like, that's what matters. So that really caught me off guard. I'm like, I've never had a company actually care like that. Um, so we talked and he gave me a book to read. I read the book, shot him an email. And I said, you know, read, read the book, loved it, appreciate it. And he's like, yeah, what are you up to this fall? Like, do you want to work at Amend? And I was like, that was the most casual way to drop a job offer. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I was curious. I, I sat down and we talked. And uh, at the time, Amend had 10 full-time employees and two interns, or one intern. And then I got hired. So I kind of just took a shot in the dark. And it, it's, you know, consulting. Obviously, everyone loves the idea of consulting. So it sounded intriguing. And once I worked there, it was just, it was a completely different experience than I thought, but I love the people, I love the culture, I love the mission, you know, I like the work we do because it makes a big impact. Um, so I did an internship there, left them in to kind of make sure, is this truly where I want to be? And that was what, you know, our partner said, you know, make sure you figure yourself out, make sure that you know this, this is what you want to do, because you got to commit your heart to this and you got to really want to be here for the right reasons. Once I left, uh, I just thought about Amend every single day at my next internship. So I was like, all right, I messed up. You know, I, I got to go back to Amend. And, you know, thankfully they, they gave me an opportunity. And since then, you know, I've, I've really loved it. Awesome. So um, tell me a little bit more about your job, what you like about it, and in particular um, in consulting in general. Yeah. So I'd say the biggest thing. So if you think of typical consulting, everyone, you know, again, here's your Deloitte's, your EYs, your Bain, your BCG, all the big firms that just have a huge brand name. The companies that they work with versus the companies that we work with, they're working with a larger cap of companies and we're working with the middle market. So the middle market is, just to give your listeners a background, the middle market is a very underserved market from a talent perspective. So again, when, when a P&G comes and recruits, they have an amazing brand name. Everyone wants to work there. Yeah, they got like 20,000 applicants. Yeah. Yeah. You go to the career fair, right? There's yeah, yeah. what? 45 people in line. Yeah, it's always 45 people usually. Yeah. And that's what everyone sees. And, and, I, and I get it. But there's this whole other side of business that I don't think people see. And I wish I would have got more of an exposure to it mm -hmm. when I was uh, in college. So what I love about it is because they are underserved from a talent perspective, they have awesome, awesome people but they don't have necessarily the training, the tools, or how Amen describes it, the people, the process, and mm -hmm. the metrics involved to make it successful or to be as efficient as they should be. And so what Amen does, we come in and you know we truly want to build a relationship with everyone. We want it to be a genuine, organic relationship. We want to understand what they're going through on a day-to-day -day basis so that we can best serve them and help solve the problem that they're facing. There's no one-size-fits-all solution. We don't come in and say, all right, here's our you know, top three themes we saw. You know, Pitch it out to them. Good luck. It's pointless, right? So we want to work with the team side by side. We build a very close relationship. I mean, our clients, I truly see a lot of them as friends of mine. I um, mean, it's a very close relationship. And so you know, a lot of what we do on a day-to-day -day basis is uh, you know, relationship building, Understanding the problem, you know, that could be time studies, process mapping, um, interviews, you know, truly understanding 
what the business is doing from start to finish so that we can find loopholes and figure out how do we make that better? How do we make that more efficient? Um, and then, you know, we work with them side by side and train them on what we see. And the goal is for us to be working with their leaders so that when we leave, it's sustainable. You know, if a man comes in and we're a bunch of these, you know, a bunch of great leaders, but we don't work with them, it's going to fall apart after we leave. Mm -hmm. So we need to adjust to them and we need to, you know, best serve what they need. You just highlighted the advantages of serving the middle market. What would you say the advantages are for working for a smaller to mid-sized firm? Yeah, I'd say a few things. Um, one, at least at a men, I, there's much more of a family feel than there is a coworker feel. So at other companies I was at, I felt more like a number at times. And not that I was treated poorly. I just, I didn't feel like I was a part of a family, a mission, which I think millennials in general, like that's something we want to have, right? That sense of purpose, that, that mission that we're making an impact. That's the big buzzword, right? Impact. Um, so advantages would be one, you know, you're a lot closer to people because there's less people. There's more of a family feel. Uh, I'd say there's strong relationships at times. I would also say there's much more responsibility. You're going to get a wider exposure. A bigger company, you're probably going to be more pigeonholed into one area, and you're going to get really good at that one area. And you're going to, you know, if you love it, you're going to do well, and you're going to get promoted every two years. Um, but in a smaller business, there's so many loose pieces that you're always trying to work on, and you're always trying to understand. Um, so I'd say the exposure you get and the experience of seeing, you know, wearing multiple hats instead of wearing one hat uh, is a big advantage. So that's probably what I'd say. What is uh, some advice that you would give someone who's starting uh, or looking into consulting? Great question. Um, so just like, so consulting, I, I say consulting, private equity and investment banking are kind of the three big buzzwords, right? Everyone, here's investment banking. I think we've all been through our stages where we're like, I'm gonna move to New York and be an investment banker. I'm gonna move out west and to California to Silicon or go to Silicon Valley and do private equity or I want to work for a big consulting firm. So I'd say building off that, like you got to be pretty intentional with people, first of all. If there's a specific industry you know you want to work in, I think it takes a lot of research and a lot of intentionality to understand what consultants do on a day-to-day -day basis. So, you know, one thing I'd say, a lot of networking, you have to do a lot of relationship building to understand what these people are doing and then, you know, you have a great conversation with somebody They'll connect you with somebody else who will connect you with somebody else. And, you know, that's just the nature of business nowadays. Um, but I'd say if you just go in and say, hey, consulting sounds really sweet. I want, you know, I want to do this. Uh, you know, Deloitte looks cool. You know, people have their reasons. It's going to be like, all right, this guy doesn't know what he wants. So I know that a lot of people I sit down with, people think consulting sounds really cool and working for a smaller business or like a startup sounds really cool because that's the cool thing to do. I don't really want to, you know, I don't think I want to hire somebody that doesn't know that they want to be a part of this for the right reasons. So a lot of networking and a lot of research in different industries to know what industry do you have passion for? What industry do you think you can drive value in? Um, I think that's the best way to kind of break into the market. And I think opportunities will, you know, arise from there. So you mentioned that networking is essential for going into career and consulting. What would you say the best way to network in Cincinnati or in the consulting field in general is? 
Yeah, I mean, I think there's a few different avenues you can go down. Um, one, I think something that needs to be cleared up is when it comes to networking, I think a lot of people see it as a transactional thing of like, I'm going to sit down with this person, I'm trying to get a job, and that's your intentionality. And I think people can people can read people well, right? If, if, if you sit down with me, I think I'm going to know pretty quickly what your intentions are, if you're a genuine person or not. So I know that a lot of people that I'll network with will... They don't, I don't feel that genuine connection. And so like when you go out to network, you need to be very intentional about where you're trying to get, but you also need to be intentional about being like a real person. Like, you know, don't just start talking about business right away. Get to know their family, get to know their backgrounds, get to know their ups and downs, get to know them on a, like a deeper level, build a genuine relationship. And if you do that over time, those are the type of people that'll, you know, run through a wall for you. And those are the people that'll say, hey, you need to hire this person because they're awesome and, and I trust them and due to blank blank their track record, you know, I know that I can trust them. So the intentionality of being a truly organic and being a real person to build almost like a friendship instead of a transactional relationship, I think is an art of networking that's missing. Um, but it does, I mean, you just have to be very intentional about who you want to talk to. So what part did uh, you see play in helping transition you into the workforce and um, what kind of lender values maybe that helped you in your career? Yeah, great question. I would say that UC really did a great job at showing the value of work experience, um, realizing that there you can learn a lot in the classroom. I'm sure you guys are you're learning a ton in the classroom right now pursuing your MBA, but it's the work experience is really where you're going to you know, know if this is for you or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was one of the big things was, you know, of my six internships I did in college, I'd say five of them I didn't really enjoy. So, but that was, but it's a perfect time to do that because if you go through college and you just get your education and you don't have that work experience, when you go to find that full-time job, you know, you're not going to have much of a, one, you're not going to have the experience, companies want experience, Two, you're not going to really know what you want, and that's going to come across pretty quickly because you don't have much you can talk about. Like, hey, do you want to work for us? Yeah, you know, it sounds like a great company, great values. We'd love to come work. You know, I'd really like to work at your company. It's like, well, I want to know why. Like, you know, what in your experience in life shows that you want to be here? Because um, mm-hmm. we need people on board with the mission. We need people on board with what we're doing and why we're doing it. And... If you don't have the work experience, you can't, you know, it's tough to talk about. Hmm. So that's what I'd say. So a lot of internships, you say, find as many as you can. Yeah, just, I mean, seriously, like, especially in college, like, Mm -hmm. try it all. Like, totally try it all. You, in college, it's okay to job hop. If you get a full-time job and you're like, eh, I'm not liking this after three months, they're probably not going to be the biggest fan of that. If you sit them down three months in and say, eh, I'm going to go try a new job out. And there's time and place for everything and it's college. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Literally everything. What so. were the industries that you interned with throughout college? So I worked for a truck manufacturer, um, a lens company that was it was an optics and lens company in Singapore. So that was that was very interesting. Um, a financial services company, um, aviation and air, and then consulting. All those experiences helped me piece together the puzzle at the end. And I remember as like, you know, for you younger college students listening to this, 
freshman, sophomore, even junior year, you're trying to figure it all out, right? You're trying to, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? And it can become very stressful very quickly. But as you do these experiences, one, enjoy the experiences, even if you don't, even if you hate the job, because that will set you up for the next one, which will set you up for the next one. And then you'll have pieces of the puzzle that you can put together, and then, you know, you're going to make a much more educated decision uh, at the end. I'm sure you've built tons of different relationships throughout your networking and throughout your different careers and jobs. What has been the best piece of advice someone has given to you as a young professional? Wow. The best advice as a young professional. I would say, so it was, it's been more catered towards me because of things I've struggled with. Um, the best advice I've gotten is like, because of just how fast moving the world is, you know, it's, it's more and more competitive. You got social media and technology just blowing up everywhere. We're on our laptops and phones constantly. The world is speeding up more and more in our heads, not just on the outside world, but it's speeding up in our heads. The best advice I've ever gotten is like, you know, don't take life too seriously and like just enjoy the ride and smell the roses. Like, because we're, we're always so competitive and we're always looking for that next thing. And, and that's all super critical and important. But when you look at things in the grand scheme of life, you know, you just got to enjoy the ride and spend time with family, spend time with friends, take care of your health, help people as much as you can. And it's, you know, don't ever think life at the end of the day. It's, it's simple. So that's probably the best advice, the best advice I've gotten. Yeah, I totally agree with that because your personal life definitely reflects into your work life and can have a great impact if you're not taking care of it. It does, yeah. You can uh, you can go off the train tracks really quickly. I mean, being very open, I'm a very transparent person. I had a lot of those struggles in college just trying to bite off more than I could chew and um, you know, had struggles with anxiety and, and stress and pressure that I was putting on myself. Um, so I share that to say that I think a lot of people battle that. Um, and I've been through that and it's, it's not fun. But, you know, going through that experience helps you, you know, learn that, you know, you just got to enjoy life at the end of the day. I mean, it truly is a simple life that we continue to overcomplicate, myself included. <laughs> I think everyone is guilty of that. But. I, I would 100% agree with you. So I always like to end our interviews with um, what books have influenced you in your professional career. Okay. And any recommendations for Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because everyone always has a different I mean everyone recommends a thousand different books so it's, okay. it's hard to know truly what book to read um, the most impactful book I've ever read is called The Rhythm of Life uh, it's by Matthew Kelly Matthew Kelly is actually local here in Cincinnati um, The Rhythm of Life talks all about balance with your body mind soul and spirit and I think that no matter what career whether your business whether you're going to be a nurse a teacher a coach realizing the importance of reaching your body mind soul and spiritual needs is what is very key to happiness in life and just in general having a passion for life. Um, so that is the most impactful book I've read. And again, when I was going through my struggles in college, I think that that book really helped put in perspective of what I was doing wrong. And then I started putting a lot more attention towards the things that actually mattered in life and things I needed to reach on a daily basis. So that, like you said, Lisa, that so you can do good work, your personal life has to be intact as well. Awesome. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, is there anything yeah. else you wanted to ask? I'm just curious, what is the book that um, 
the consult you first met amend recommended for you to read? It was that book. Oh really? It was yeah. It was actually I didn't know that if it book. Was the same. That's cool to know. No, it was it was that book, and he can. I think he could tell. He's like this kid is struggling a little bit. Let's. This would be a good book for you to read. And mm-hmm. That's why when I read it, I was like, this is. This is exactly what I needed. Right, it just clicked for you. It yeah. did. It clicked, and I, I really appreciate him taking that time and his mentorship. I think my first book was almost a sales book. It was terrible. Really? <laughs> like, I'm not it's reading not it. not impactful my life at all. Was it The Heart of the Deal? No, it was not The Heart of the Deal. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. That's okay. the only first sales book you did. Like, I think it was like selling the 21st century. It was like not a sexy book at all. <laughs> So would you recommend or not? No. <laughs> no. There's a lot of better, if you want to be in sales, there's a lot better selling books than selling in the 21st century. I would agree. I would I'm agree. probably going to cut that part because we don't need to, <laughs> you know, maybe one day that guy who donates money to used to be so. Is there any classes or uh, subject you would recommend students take um, to better prepare them for their career? Yes, 100%. So um, the most impactful class I ever took, uh, unfortunately, it was not in the College of Business. I took a lot of great classes uh, in the college. But there was a class I took, and it was called Leadership and Decision Making, uh, taught by Greg Sizemore, who's a mentor of mine and uh, a mentor of, of many uh, in Cincinnati. Uh, phenomenal, phenomenal guy. And his classes, it's about leadership, but it's also really a self-reflection of yourself and understanding what is it that great leaders do? Uh, what are the things in your life that you need to be like straight up forward and honest about? Because um, our generation is very good at hiding things. Uh, you know, it's like, just put everything on social media, make yourself look awesome. Like, man, this, they're living such a perfect life. Like, I wish I was living such a perfect life. Like, that, like, that's just what our generation does. And so it's tough in the standpoint that he brings light to a lot of the things that you're kind of holding inside. But it's an amazing class to, one, you get to, Awesome, awesome speakers. We had the architect from the Capitol come in, uh, the guy who led the Black Hawk Down mission. Okay. You've seen Black Hawk Down. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy who was like the leader of that mission came and spoke to us. The uh, owner of Scripps, I mean, like, he's very well connected with a lot of amazing people. And it's cool to hear like their real testimonies and say, all right, obviously you've been very successful. How did you get to that level? Because that's, I mean, everyone, most people want to be successful. So you're curious as to what got them there. Um, so that was, a. I highly recommend that class for any, I, honestly, if you're a freshman, take it now. Even if you're a senior, take it now. But it'll really challenge you to reflect on, you know, what you're doing in your life, things that you should change in your life. Um, you know, there's a lot of engineers that'll take that class and they'll take the class and they'll realize they don't want to take a job in engineering. Like they'll totally flip the script and like go be an entrepreneur. Or like he'll inspire you to truly chase after what you were meant to do. Um, and once you're in this class, I think you'll understand, but you, everybody at UC should take leadership and decision-making uh, with Greg Sizemore. It is an awesome class, and it was a turning point in my life. Of all the leaders that came in the class, and I guess all the leaders you know in your life, is there a common trend you see between them, or is it kind of more individualistic? Yeah, I would say one thing, and this is something I was really poor at for a while in college, was like the true selfless mentality of like, if the mentality is, it's all about me, which a lot of us are. And frankly, a lot of my college career, I was very selfish and caught in becoming successful for the wrong reasons. Again, I share that because I think a lot of people do that. Mm -hmm. And I've learned from that. 
so with that being said, the common trend is like somebody who truly comes and sits down in front of you and says, what can I do for you? How can I help you? How can I serve you? And genuinely means that is a phenomenal leader because not many leaders and organizations are going to just sit you down and be like that real with you. That's a big reason I went to a man was because the whole conversation was, what do you want? What can we do for you? How can we help? How can we serve? And I think that's why our business has done well because if you're truly all about serving people and if why you do what you do is to make an impact and it's not about the profit, it's not about I'm getting promoted to a title or getting recognized on social media or getting a trophy, whatever it is that you seek, I think that is critical. Um, so that that's probably the common trend of truly awesome people are like genuinely very self selfless and want to give and want to serve. And it hit me really hard in that class of how selfish I was being in college. Um, and therefore, because of that, it taught me I really need to come out and say, what can I do for you? How can I help? And I fail at it every day. But I try every single day to serve as much as I can. And that's really what a lot of the great leaders do. Sorry, I got super deep on that. No, so I, <laughs> I, I completely agree with you. And I've had a lot of my experience has reflected that. I think a lot of what you're saying is um, we as a, as a generation, I think, lack a lot of introspectiveness. And it seems like you have to, like been on a journey of introspective uh, reflection. And um, I think in doing that, you've sought out leaders that have that same kind of, they look inward and then help outward. And I, uh, I completely agree that that's a, good, a quality of what makes a good leader. Yeah, I mean, you nailed it. That's, again, it's just, I'm very intrigued to see where the next generations will go just with, you know, people getting iPads at three years old and, mm -hmm. you know, or in social media that at that age, it's, you know, it, it trains you to care what everyone else thinks about you. And so naturally you want to do as much as you can to make yourself look really awesome. And I said, that's a lot of what I did in college was I wanted to make myself look really good and make myself appear to be successful and this great person. But none of that matters at the end of the day. It's just being satisfied with the moment, enjoying mm -hmm. life, and um, like you said, being introspective, mm -hmm. internalizing things, talking to people who have been through it, because you can't solve it all on your own. That's another thing you can't, you cannot solve those things on your own. You need help from family, you need help from friends, mm -hmm. and talking to great leaders, um, they can help you through that, through their experience. Great for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, wonderful. <laughs> um, yeah, I really like that question. Okay, I think that'll, that'll, that'll do. Yeah. Sweet. Um, yeah, thank you guys, seriously, yeah, so much. I appreciate your time, and, and best of luck to both of you in the future. And the podcast, I'm sure it'll take off. Be number one, <laughs> number one in the country. My episode probably won't help, but <laughs> hopefully you get somebody else on here that can help out. like 200%. <laughs> <laughs> No, I meant down the road. My my episode will not help with that, but I, I do wish you wish you both the best. We'll get Peyton Manning on here, and then we'll maybe like yeah. then it'll blow up. <laughs> well, Tim, thanks for being here today. Thanks for being on our podcast. We love listening to you and your journey. Yep. Good luck in your career. And yeah. Thank you both so much. I appreciate it. Best of luck. Thanks for listening to season two of Thought Leadership. Be sure to tune in in two weeks for our next. If you'd like to know more about 1819 Innovation, please visit www.uc1819.edu for more information. If you
if you'd like to know more about Tim Waymeyer, 